All right, well, we've been in spiritual disciplines the last couple of weeks. We have tonight, and we have one more uh, after that. <coughs> Excuse me. But this evening, we're going to continue in this. And of course, as we've said every week, discipline is not fun. It's certainly not easy in any area of life. So we're talking about spiritual disciplines. But just to discipline ourselves in general is a hard thing to do. Uh, it's difficult to discipline ourselves in our finances. Maybe you're training to, to do something, uh, whatever it may be, uh, eating habits, relationships, uh, these are all difficult things to discipline ourselves in, but especially spiritually, it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, we've been saved, we've been, we've been changed, we are no longer who we used to be, but we still battle the flesh, and so we still battle the, sin, the sinful flesh, uh, the desires of it, and so it makes this difficult, and we're going to battle this. So it's one of those things where it's not, you can't just have something beat. Yeah, you know, that was a bad habit, and now I've got that beat. It's something that we have to continually do, continually be uh, on top of, so to speak, uh, so that we can uh, grow uh, in spiritual discipline. Uh, we don't like discipline because it's hard. Uh, the word discipline implies that. It's difficulty, it's pain, it's struggle, it's diligence, it's all these things, and it just takes a lot of work. And sometimes... We just don't want to do it. It implies all these different things. And so it's a battle that the Apostle Paul, he knew very well. And this verse has been on your uh, handout every week. And so it will be on there again uh, this week as well. Kind of the, the verse that we've been looking at. Uh, 1 Corinthians nine twenty five through 27. It says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not, run, I do not uh, box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So last time, uh, we looked at spiritual discipline of Bible reading and study and how important that it is. If we desire to live a life that brings honor and glory to God, it begins with consistently being in his word. And even at times when we don't feel like it, there may be times... Uh, it, there, it, there are times that you just don't feel like doing it. We need to do this anyways. That's part of being disciplined. And this evening, we're going to move on and begin discussing the spiritual discipline of prayer. Bible study and prayer are both equally important spiritual disciplines. Uh, they're the lifeblood of our relationship with the Lord, as it is the mechanism for communication. We read God's word. He speaks to us. And when we pray, we're speaking uh, to the Lord. We chose, I chose Bible study and reading to study first because that is what informs us uh, out of our prayer as how we ought to pray. So we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray if we're not spending time in God's word. So it kind of informs our soul, our heart, how to pray and how we're to pray and how we are to approach God. If we don't ever read his word, then we don't know that. And so it's important for us to do that. And so these are two very, very important things as part of communicating with the Lord is how he speaks to us, is how we speak and approach him um, as well. It is God's will for our lives uh, that we would be people who pray. And in this passage we're going to look at this evening, it speaks of being persistent in prayer. Not praying one time and be like, well, it didn't happen, so I'm done. And so it's talking about being persistent um, in prayer. And so... That is what we'll be looking at this evening. 
If you've ever tried to be consistent and persistent in prayer, you know that it's not easy. I've heard our pastor say many times before that if you wait to feel like praying, you never will. Because prayer is work. It takes work. It takes diligence. It takes effort. It takes consistency. And so God wants us to be consistent and persistent in prayer. And we also have a great promise in Matthew 7 that God does indeed hear our prayer and that he does answer our prayer. So go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. In verse 7. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his sons ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? See, John Piper, he says this, Regarding prayer, it says, When you pause to consider that God is infinitely strong and can do all that he pleases, and that he is infinitely righteous so that he, does, uh, he only does what is right, and that he is infinitely good <clears throat> so that everything he does is perfectly good, and that he is infinitely wise so that he always knows perfectly what is right and good, and that he is infinitely loving so that in, in all, strength, all his strength and righteousness and goodness and wisdom he raises the eternal joy of his loved ones as high as it can be raised. When you pause to consider this, then the lavish invitation of this God to ask him for good things with, with the promise that he will give them is unimaginably wonderful. And so what is he saying here? He's saying that this passage that we're talking about in Matthew <clears throat> is saying that seeking God in prayer is a privilege. And so, yes, it takes spiritual discipline. Yes, it's hard work. And yes, it takes diligence. But it's, do you see it as a duty or do you see it as a privilege? And he's saying that this is a privilege that we get to speak to the God of the universe. When we pray, what are we ultimately after? Knowing God, loving God more, getting to know more about him. We want God. We want to hear him. We want to obey him. He is God Almighty, yet he cares for us and he hears us. Psalm 8, 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? So we live in this, this vast universe that God created. God created everything in this universe. And we are very, very small. I believe as, as Carl Sagan, the, the atheist, he's a scientist, and, he, and uh, looking back, I think it was the Voyager they sent out taking pictures, and many years later they uh, put together this panoramic image for however many miles it was away, and you see this little speck of dust. It's a little blue speck that's suspended in a sunray, the, the beam of a sunray. It says, that's our home. That's where we live in this vast universe. We are but a speck of dust. We are very, very small and very, very in, insignificant in and of ourselves. But God gives us our significance. God gives us our significance. Again, Psalm 8, 4, what is man that you're mindful of him? It says, what are we? We're small, insignificant. But what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man 
that you care for him. God knows us, God hears us, God loves us. Even though we are small and insignificant in this whole great big, everything that he created, the entire universe and beyond, he knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows what we need. He knows uh, when we hurt. He knows all the things that, that go on in our lives. He knows everything about us. He cares about us. He's mindful of us. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This God who is mindful of us, this almighty God who cares for us and hears us. And then in 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, And in this confidence, we have this confidence toward him because we, that we know God. We're in relationship with him. If you know Christ, if you don't know Christ, you're not in relationship with him. But those of us who know him, we have this confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to, uh, to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that, he's, that we have asked of him. And so one thing that qualifies it is according to his will. Praying according to his will. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. James 4, 2 and 3. It reminds us uh, that you do not have because you, because you do not ask. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You do not have because you do not ask. And then it goes on in verse 3, and it says, When you do ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly and spend it on your passions. And so when we are praying according to God's will is not praying for everything that you have, all the desires of your heart. We're praying according to God's will. If we pray for those things, we will receive those. Oftentimes we pray for things, we say, why is God not answering this? Well, that's not God's will. We're spending it on other things. And so it's important for us to realize that. When we pray according to God's will, we have what we ask. So you may ask, well, what is God's will? Well, hold your place there in Matthew and go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians four, verse three. And we'll read the first part of verse three. And I like this. When when the when God's word says this, for this is the will of God, that's, that's how this starts. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. So what is God's will for your life? That you be sanctified. That you be conformed into the image of his son. That is his ultimate goal and will for your life. So we're talking about the general will of God. This is God's will for all believers. Now he may have an individual specific will for your life. Which you will find as you seek him. But God's general will for every believer's life is that they would be sanctified that they would be conformed to the image of his son, according to Romans chapter 8. That is God's will for your life. Uh, Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, one chapter over. So we're talking about praying according to God's will. Well, one of those things, again, is your sanctification, that you would grow in the image, uh, as you grow in the image of Christ. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ, uh, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
So what is God's will for your life, generally speaking? That you would grow into the image of, of Jesus Christ, that you would be, that you would rejoice always, you'd be a, a rejoicing person, pray without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances. It says, Christian, this is God's will for your life. Those are the things we are to seek. Those are the things that we can pray for. When we pray for those things that would bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ, when we pray for those things that would have eternal value, he says you will have those. God will give you those because those are according to his will. So as we walk with the Lord, so we have his general will, and as we walk with the Lord and spend time with him in his word and in prayer, we begin to understand more of what God's will for our life is. God may, he's gifted you differently. God may have, a, he, you're in a whole different, uh, you're in a different family. You're in a, you work at all different places. We come from all different backgrounds. You have influence that I don't have and vice versa. We all know different people. And God, his will for you, he has a specific will and plan for your life. But we can't really know that without seeking the general will first. This is God's will for my life is that I would grow. That I would grow in the image of Jesus Christ and that I would be a person who rejoices, a person who prays and gives thanks in all circumstances. And as I do that, and as I seek the Lord in prayer and in his word, we'll begin to understand what his will for your life is. And he'll begin to lead, guide, and direct you. He can't do that if we don't spend time in his word and we don't spend time in prayer. He will not lead you to where you're supposed to be. And so it's important for us to understand the will of God and knowing what that is. So knowing that God hears us, and that we desire uh, to know his will, how are we to pray? And so go back to Matthew chapter 7. Go back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. It says, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. So how is the first way that we are to pray? Persistently. It says keep doing this. Uh, a good example, some examples are given in, in Luke. So go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. This is about the friend who comes to your house at midnight that you're not happy about. So Matthew, or Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Uh, yet because of his um, impudence which, or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead give it, uh, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit uh, to those 
who ask him. And so we have this, this parable of the guy, who sh- the friend who shows up at midnight. Says, hey, I had a friend who showed up. I have nothing to give him. And it's, he's like, hey, I'm already in bed. The door's shut. Kids are in bed. I'm not going to give it to you. But because of his persistence, the friend gets up and gives him what he was asking for. Go to Luke chapter 18. This is when we have the parable of the, of the persistent widow. The persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to pray always, they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So it's interesting how this parable starts. He says, he's telling, This is why he tells them the parable that they ought to pray always and not lose heart. So he's saying, Be persistent, continue to pray. And then it tells the story. He's, he said, In a certain a city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city that kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. It will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? But he tells them why he tells this, this story is that they would, he says, this is how you ought to pray persistently so that they don't lose heart. And so we are to pray persistently. Back in Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask, seek, and knock is a continuing thing. And so this word here, the ask, the seek, and the knock, all three words are in the present tense. They indicate a continuous action, meaning keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. This is not a one-time thing. I prayed, and it just didn't happen, so I, I give up. It says, no, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And then in verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so in the same way, we have these three words, ask, seek, and knock, that we are, is a continuous action. All three commands are also accompanied by this response from God. His people receive, his people find, and they have the door opened to them. God rewards persistence. Persistence in prayer, again, according to God's will, as we talked about just before this. I read a quote uh, this week, or I guess I read it again this week, but it says, and I think it's great, it says, what we need in our churches today is not a declaration of independence. What we need is a declaration of dependence. And so, yes, we as Americans, we have the Declaration of Independence. It's a great, uh, one of our founding documents. It's a great document. Um, But when it comes to living our lives to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ, we have to declare our dependence on him. We are, we, are, we are not independent. We are completely and totally dependent on God. And so we need a declaration of dependence. And so talking about asking, uh, we should ask persistently. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we read a minute ago. It commands us to pray continuously. It says, this is God's will for your life. 
So we are to ask persistently. The second thing we see in verses 9 through 11 is that we should ask expectantly. So verse 9. Chapter 7, verse 9. Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, uh, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So how many of you who have kids or had kids enjoys giving them gifts? I do. Usually it's like usually it's hard. You like I want to do you want to do more. It's a hard thing to do. It's it's something that we now not that I'm not a real thoughtful person sometimes. So there may not have been a whole lot of thought put into it. But uh but we like to give them things. And so when Jesus is speaking here, he says we should ask expectantly. Verse nine through eleven makes two points. First says when you pray, you're praying to your father. So what father or mother, even being evil, doesn't like to give good gifts to their children. So we need to recognize we are praying to our Father. Second, your Heavenly Father is so much better than any earthly father could ever be. And some of you in here had great fathers growing up, and some of you may not have. But we have a perfect Heavenly Father. He's a good father. He's better than any father we could ever have. But he follows these two rhetorical questions. He has these kind of, the answers clearly are, nobody would do that. But which one of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Well, of course not. Nobody would do that. Or if he asked for fish, would give him a serpent? Yeah, yeah, give him a, a snake, a venomous snake. He said, nobody would do that. So we ask these questions, and he follows them up by telling us about our Heavenly Father. He says, he, and, and how good our Heavenly Father is. He says, even sinful earthly fathers can give good gifts to their children. If that is true, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So we ask these questions. And the answer clearly is, He's God. He can give us whatever He wants. He has abundant resources, unlimited, infinite resources. And God loves to bless His children. And He's honored by your persistence. This doesn't bother Him. It's not like, quit praying about that, you're... Keep bothering me. He's not bothered by your persistence. He's honored by our persistence. He's honored by our expectancy that we pray with expectancy. What would you call that? Faith. Faith honors the Lord that we pray with expectancy. Prayer demonstrates a dependence on God for all things. And because he is our perfect heavenly father, we can ask trustingly, knowing he will always and only uh, get what is uh, give us what is best for us to live for him and do his will. God is only going to give you what is best for you. Again, you would never give your, intentionally give your child something that's going to be bad for them. You never give them something that was going to hurt them. As a matter of fact, what do you usually say when they want to do something that's going to hurt them? No. Right? And so when we're praying these things, when James chapter 2, uh, or chapter 4 says, uh, you do not, uh, you ask and do not ha- receive because you ask wrongly. Well, a lot of times we're asking wrongly. And our loving Heavenly Father says, no. That's his answer. He does answer our prayer. He says, no. God knows our actual needs. We don't really know what our actual needs are. Oftentimes. We think we know what our needs are, but God knows what our needs are. Again, what is God's ultimate goal for your life? 
is that you be conformed to the image of his son. So that is what is best for us, and he gives us what is best for us to make to accomplish that goal in you. Charles Spurgeon, I love Charles Spurgeon quotes. <clears throat> he says, Our Heavenly Father will correct our prayer and give us not what we ignorantly seek, but what we really need. The promise to give us what we ask is here explained, is set in its true light. This is a gracious correction of the folly uh, which would read the Lord's words in the most literal sense and make us dream that every whim of ours had, had only to put on uh, the dress of prayer in order, it, uh, in order to its realization, saying, well, if I just say, I'm going to pray for this in Jesus' name, then he's going to give it to me. He says that's, that's folly is what he calls that. He says our prayers go to heaven in a revised version. It would be a, and this, I love this part, says it would be a terrible thing if God always gave us all we asked for. It would be a terrible thing. Think about all the things you prayed for in your life. You're like, thank goodness that one didn't happen. Because we don't know what we ought to pray for. Because we are, we, it's, hard, it's hard. And so this is where the Holy Spirit comes in and helps us. He's talking about this revised version. But think about that. It would be a terrible thing if God always gave us all we ask for. Our Heavenly Father himself knows how to give far better uh, than we know how to ask. And so we need to recognize that. Is that oftentimes God's answer to us is, no, we're not praying according to his will. He's not going to do that because that would hurt, that would hurt us. He is our Heavenly Father who knows how to give what's best. And we don't necessarily know what's best. He does. So we're to ask persistently. We should ask expectantly. And then Jesus, if you go back in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us how, how then are we to pray. We know we're, we're to be persistent, we're, we're ask, ask expectantly, but how are we to pray? Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. <clears throat> you know, there's probably a title here that says the Lord's Prayer, probably there, but really what it is, is it's a model prayer. It's a model prayer. But chapter 5, or chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 5, says that when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue, in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, that they receive their, they receive their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in the secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, for, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so Jesus is teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's saying, this is how you should pray. One thing, it's not. There's a few things it's not. First of all, now we are to pray corporately as a church. That is very important. It's something that's always been done. Go back to the early church fathers and even before they prayed corporately. 
But uh, Jesus here is giving instructions on prayer, uh, individual prayer here. And one thing it's not meant to be or not meant to do is to receive praise from men. The Pharisees would stand on the corner and they'd pray these wonderful, flat, big words, flowery, but this awesome prayer. And people would say, wow, look at them. He says, that's their reward. And someone would say, wow, look at them. Prayer is not meant to receive praise from men. Jesus says to go into a room, shut the door, and pray to your Father, who already knows your needs. He already knows your needs before you even ask him. It's also not about the number of t- or, or types of words that we use. When we pray, we are praying to our Father from our heart according to his word. That is how we are to pray. And then he says to pray like this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Again, now this model prayer was not meant to be recited by memory. I know it's recited in a lot of different religions and things like that. It may be recited before a football game or here or there. and It was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be something that was just memorized and recited. There's, no, there's nothing behind it. It's just words. It's could actually be considered pagan because it's, it's just reciting from memory. It was never meant to be that. It shows how we are to approach God in prayer. That's what this prayer shows, this model prayer. This is how you approach God. And so he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What do we address God as? Father. I actually had that question the other day. So who do we pray to? Are we praying to? I never thought about it. You know, I've heard people say, are we praying to Jesus? Are we praying to God? Are we praying to the Father? I was like, that's a really good question. Well, Scripture tells us who we're praying to. Our Father. God, our Father. And so our Father in heaven, that is God. So we address him as Father. We address God as Father. A lot of people, they've gotten real laxed about things, and they'll call him, hey, Dad. And that's so disrespectful. He's our Father, but he's also Almighty God. And we need to approach him as such. So we address him as Father whose name is to be hallowed or praised. So in this, in this, when we pray and we, and we address him as Father, we praise God for who he is and what he's done. We praise him. That's a, that's a time of praise, praising and thanksgiving for who he is and what he's done. The next thing in the, in the prayer says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come refers to both God's spiritual reign in the lives of individuals and his future coming rule over all creation. All creation is under the curse of sin. And in the book of Romans, it says that it groans under this curse and it's seeking and it's waiting to be delivered. So all creation groans under this curse. And one day, Christ is coming again. And one day, he's going to break that curse of sin And he's going to set up and establish his kingdom. So when we pray, we desire God's will to be done in our lives, as well as looking forward to the day he returns in glory. So we pray now, God, we pray that your will would be done in my life. Pray that your will would be done in our world. Pray that your your will would be done in our church. And 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 you pray for God's will to be done. At the same time, we're looking forward to when we don't have to deal with sin anymore. No more sin, 
No more sorrow, no more sickness when Christ comes again and sets up his kingdom. And so we can look forward to that day as we pray, God, I pray that your will be done today. But also I look forward to a day when you're coming again. So for today, we pray that God's will would be done in light of the fact that he is coming again. And it could be at any time. So give us this day, our, uh, the next, next uh, phrase is give us our, this day our daily bread. This is simply acknowledging our dependence on him. God, would you give me what, we need, what I need today? You know my needs. Would you provide my needs today? And it's hard for us to understand that um, because we have so much. We have so much, but we need to recognize that everything we do have belongs to God and comes from him. We ha- a lot of times we don't recognize need when if we lived in a different part of the world, we would say, I don't know where we're going to eat today. That's most of the world. But we still have to recognize that what we have is, belongs to God and he has, what, he has blessed us with it. Everything we have is from him and belongs to him. So we acknowledge our dependence on him. Then he goes on and says, and forgive our debts as we also forget, have forgiven our debtors. So forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. People's relationship with the Lord cannot be made right until the relationship with others are made right. So when you're, when you're praying and you've got your harboring bitterness in your heart, you're not right with God. When, you're, when you come before, when you approach God in prayer and you have, you're, you're harboring something against somebody else, somebody's hurt you and you can't let it go, or, or you've hurt somebody else, it says you're not right with God. And we need to be people who forgive and people who ask forgiveness because we are all humans. And even in the church, we're going to hurt each other's feelings sometimes. It's unintentional. I mean, most, I hope it's unintentional. <laughs> Some people are just mean, I guess. But most of the time it's unintentional, but we hurt each other's feelings. And so if we offend somebody, we need to seek forgiveness. If someone offends us, we need to release them from that and forgive them. So we, we need to forgive because we've been forgiving an infinite amount. We deserve to be separated from God for all eternity in hell. And he forgave us. We need to be forgiving toward one another. So relational forgiveness should be sought again and again. God has completely forgiven us, so we are to forgive others. One example is uh, we see in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he's talking to husbands. It says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So if I'm not honoring my wife, if I'm not respecting, uh, under, living with her in an understanding way, what does it say about my prayer? It will be hindered. And so this relational aspect, uh, aspect of prayer, it matters. And so when there's bitterness or there's, uh, there's a relational issue, we need to make that right. We need to make that right. And then he finally says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. could also be translated trial or test. And these moments of testing frequently occur when believers are most vulnerable. Oftentimes we need to recognize areas in our life where we're vulnerable. There are certain things that... There's certain uh, boundaries we need to place in our lives to help protect us. 
Uh, we need to ask God for wisdom in that. Where am I weak? Where, where are the boundaries? And would you protect me from the evil one? Would you protect me? And so we pray for God's protection from the enemy, especially the source of all temptation, which he calls the evil one. Speaking of Satan. And so in this model prayer, we, we uh, and I'll just read it one more time, and then we'll talk practical about how we do this. Uh, verse, uh, verse, yeah, verse 9. It says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we have this model prayer. And it's, so again, not meant to be recited. It's meant to just to give us a model of how we approach God. We approach God, first of all, by recognizing who he is. That's where we start, is who he is. So some practical ways as we wrap, uh, wrap up tonight, or start wrapping up tonight, <clears throat> some practical ways to develop this discipline. One thing is that prayer requires concentration and focus. And so I know a lot of times, some of you moms are at home with kids all day. It's hard to, it's hard to eliminate Distractions. I mean, you could eliminate them, but uh, we don't want to do that. But, uh, but to eliminate the distractions and try, to, and try to, that's a hard thing to do. But prayer requires concentration and focus. And so we must discipline ourselves to put away distractions. And so even in our schedule, if there's a time that's, that's quiet or you make time to be quiet, uh, whatever it is, but try to, try to uh, maintain some time that is quiet and free of distractions, what is probably the biggest distraction that we have? You've probably got it on you right now. You've probably been looking at it. You've probably been checking scores of the game. You know, those, it's our phones, right? They're constantly going off. There's dings. You're at work. The email, it, it dings. I go, what? and there we are. We're out. And so we need to, there's things that we can do to put, put away these distractions Teaching ourselves to concentrate is one of the reasons that we close our eyes. You realize you don't have to close your eyes to pray? Uh, if you're praying in your car, I'd recommend you don't close your eyes. But you can pray while you're driving your car. And then you'll be distracted when the guy cuts you off, and then you go from a spirit of prayer to a spirit of whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but you can pray, yeah, you don't have, but that's one reason maybe it's good to close your eyes. You don't see what's happening around you. We need to focus on closing our ears and minds from many distractions around us. And again, most of it is the, is the technological things, uh, technology that we have. That's usually the hardest distraction uh, to silence, but that's something that we can discipline ourselves to do. And then spending a few minutes just to quiet your mind and heart will help achieve better concentration and focus. And so it's just a matter of disciplining ourselves and trying to and trying to work on minimizing distractions at that time. And we all have them. I mean, a lot of distractions for me are just in my head. <laughs> so, and we begin to think about other things or whatever. But trying to quiet our, our, trying to come, as we're coming before God and recognizing, one thing that would help us is if we actually recognize that we're coming before God Almighty. And to give our undivided attention. So, <clears throat> we can try it practically. There's ways to try to minimize 
distractions. Uh, prayer builds up our humility, dependence on God, and, and compassion for others. Make a prayer list with names and needs, uh, 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 names and needs, and pray for those. Uh, we give you a list right here. I don't know. See, a lot of times we just go straight to the announcements. We see what the deposit was for the week, you know, and and or if we even look at it at all. But but we give you, we help you with that. We help you with that. So this is a great place to start. That guy, I don't, I don't know how to pray or who to pray. Well, here you go. We've got a list. We we have them by the doors every Sunday. They're actually there tonight. If you weren't here Sunday, you could pick one up. And so um, that's a great place to start is in this bulletin. Uh, there's people, these are people of our church, people that are connected with our church uh, that uh, are in need of prayer, and you can pray for them. So that's one way. If you've struggled in prayer, you can start by praying simple, uh, short prayers. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when you don't know what to pray, you can pray a prayer from the scriptures. Psalms, uh, there's a lot of prayers in the Psalms. Uh, it's full of prayers of lament. When somebody, when something, when somebody's going through something really, really difficult, there's prayers of lament, there's prayers of repentance, there's prayers of praise, and they're all throughout Psalms, they're all throughout Scripture. But if you're struggling in prayer, that's one way to help you is to pray, uh, find, as, as you're reading Scripture, pray through what you're reading. Pray through what you're reading. A lot of times you'll find is if you pray as you read the Bible, you're able to pray. Because God is speaking to you. And so you can do those both together. There's one that I, I like in uh, Romans chapter 15. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And uh, in verse 13, I'll give you a second to get there. At times, I, I can I can pray this for people. It's a prayer, and I think about like with this. So, verse thirteen says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope." Well, there's a lot of people on our prayer list who are in need of hope, and you could pray this for them. Say. Say, God, you are, uh, may the God, may, or say, may you, um, the God of hope, uh, fill, fill them with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they may abound in hope. And so see, we have this, this is Paul's prayer, kind of there, but we can pray that for others. You know, you take our missionary of the week, he, Tyler Carlton, he's our missionary of the week. And we can pray, may, God, may the God of hope fill Tyler with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he may abound in hope. See how we can pray that for him? And so there's just, there's things throughout scripture that we can use to help us pray. There's prayers. And we learn how to pray by reading the scripture. And God speaks to us and he helps us to grow um, in that area. Just kind of an example so if you're struggling with prayer, you can start praying what you're reading through. 
but it takes opening God's word and reading it first and begin to pray through what you're reading. Think about what you're reading. We need to remember that prayers do not have to be pretty. The Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers and intercedes to God the Father on our behalf. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you're a believer, it says he intercedes to God the Father on your behalf. And then make sure prayers include things, uh, praise, thanksgiving. Again, this is God's will for your life that you pray without ceasing. Um, to help with this, again, make another list. If you're having a down day, start writing things that you're thankful for and thank God for them. You know, when it's been really cold, I was thankful for a warm house. I was thankful for that we have running water that gets hot. <laughs> you know, just we thank God, just thank Him for these things. Thank Him for anything and everything. Be thankful to God. And recognize that our prayers are primarily, they're not changing God's mind about something. What it does is it changes us. It changes our mind about who we are, what we need, and how to please God. And so what prayer really does is it transforms us. It's changing you. It's not changing God. It's not changing his mind. Uh, God is sovereign, and he, already, he, is already, he knows the beginning from the end. He ordained the beginning from the end. But prayer is for us. It's something that it transforms us. It's communication with God. So as we close tonight, will you commit... To pray without ceasing. You may say, well, that's really hard. <clears throat> that doesn't mean 24 hours a day. What that does mean is you can do it anytime. When you're driving in the car, maybe you go for a walk. You can just do it whenever. Anything, any, anything and everything, you can just pray without ceasing. You can pray about anything and everything with thanksgiving, knowing that your Heavenly Father hears and answers persistent prayer. So when you're not getting the answer that you were looking for maybe the answer is no but be persistent continue to pray and when we pray we begin to look more like christ it begins to change our hearts reading god's word which we talked about last week and praying it changes us it changes our hearts no one prayed to the father so persistently and expectantly as jesus did he never stopped talking to his father and he never stopped trusting his father and see, when we pray, we are, we are uh, demonstrating that we are dependent on God. That we need God to help us. That we need God's direction. That we need God's guidance. We need his provision. We need his protection. We are, we are in desperate need of him. And so when we pray, we're demonstrating that. And so will you commit to pray without ceasing? So I hope some of the practical stuff will help. Minimizing distractions, things like that. Making lists that you can do. I mean, we give you one every Sunday. Maybe make one on your own. Uh, but begin to pray. Uh, begin to pray. And uh, if you're struggling with that, start reading God's word. And guess what? It'll help you pray. So let's close in prayer. God, thank you for the stage you've given us. And again, we thank you for your love for us. And Father, we, we thank you for uh, your word and how it speaks to us. And so I ask that you would help us to be People who, uh, people who pray, people, uh, people of prayer, <clears throat> or that we be people who um, pray without ceasing, that we be people who pray with thanksgiving, that we be people who uh, pray persistently, expectantly, um, looking for you to act. And so, God, I ask that you would just work in our hearts, that you would make us more like you, 
Thank you that you are our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares about us, knows everything about us. Help us not to forget that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.